Welcome to the fish meeting. Four friends and disciples of Jesus Christ have been meeting and discussing God's word over the past 10 years with over 100,000 minutes together studying the scripture. And now they are making that study available to you. Listen in as they bring the Bible into their everyday lives. All right, let's get started today with a prayer. Um, if you'll bow with me. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together and to share, to share stories of your, uh, of your working in our lives and to read your scripture and, um, and uh, be enlightened by the revealing nature of what, uh, what you have caused to be recorded. We know that these are there for our learning. Uh, and so we just pray, Lord, Lord, this morning that the Holy Spirit is with us and that we, uh, and that we learn uh, from our study. We, we ask that you guide us uh, as we read about uh, the acts uh, that you performed while you were on earth. And uh, we know, Lord, that you did that so that others could see that you were and are the son of the living God. And so, uh, Lord, this morning we commit ourselves to, to you uh, to do that same thing. We, we ask that you fill us with the, the feeling that those had that, that, that actually witnessed these miracles. And, and so through that feeling, cause us to run out into the streets and tell others about you. Uh, we love you, Lord. We, we're just uh, we're so humbled by the fact that you would work in our lives and that you love us so much that you would pay the price on the cross for our sins. And so uh, we just ask this morning that you use this time uh, for us to grow together uh, as part of the body of Christ and, and be encouraged uh, to share the good news of the gospel with, with anybody who will listen. And we pray, Lord, that you'll put those in our past that need to hear that word uh, and so we, um, we trust, Lord, that, that uh, this morning that that prayer is already answered. Uh, we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 All right. I think um, last week I had some co- computer issues, and so I wasn't driving us. And uh, I think we're, we're in uh, Matthew 9, where it's uh, talking about Matthew. So uh, was that right, Sunil? Do you remember where we left off? I think we well, were Matthew 9. Yeah. All right. So uh, let me see. So it's, uh, the title of this section is called Matthew the Publican, and um, and so uh, this you know after watching the the, the uh, series uh, Cheryl that you put us onto the uh, the chosen, I think Matthew has become one of my favorites. <laughs> I don't know why it's funny, but uh, he's one of my favorites too. Yeah. So this is uh, this is the time when when uh, when um, Jesus picks him. So. In Matthew 9, chapter 9, it says this, As Jesus uh, went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. And, you know, that, that, can, be, that can seem like such a benign statement uh, as we read it, but, uh, you know, Matthew was a tax collector in the days where, you know, where the Jews were living under Roman oppression. And uh, he was working, and so what that meant is he was working for the Romans, and uh, and and really it meant that there wasn't a whole lot of his fellow men that that cared too much for him, um, and so uh, this is really kind of remarkable that that Jesus said that uh, to him, and, and so uh, we see him come out of that booth, much like we did with uh, with Peter and his brother uh, coming out of the boat, and uh, not only did Matthew follow him, but uh, invited Jesus over to his house for dinner. So in verse 10, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, 
It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Um, and I think that is uh, good for us all to learn what that means. And I believe he's quoting from um, from the prophets when he says that, Hosea. Uh, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And what was happening in Hosea's day is uh, they were they were sacrificing, uh, you know, according to the law of Moses. Um, but they're you know they weren't they were just going through the motions. You know their heart wasn't in it. They they weren't. Uh, they didn't really know what it meant when they made the sacrifice, and and yet they were they were claiming that because of the sacrifice they deserve certain things, right? And so that's why Hosea is preaching God's word to the people. And whenever the pre, whenever the uh, prophets um, spoke the word of God back in those days, in most cases it was doom and gloom. And that's what he said: is uh, God says, "I desire mercy, not sacrifice." And uh, I think that's a good thing for us to think about <clears throat> um, because we do that today sometimes, I think, in that legalistic way. I mean, we could feel like we're, you know, we're, we're doing all the right things publicly, but, you know, in, inside we have, you know, uh, contentment for uh, each other or anger towards each other or, um, you know, bitterness. So I'll just pause there and see what, what thoughts you have. Well, uh, I guess for me... There's a confusion. It would be hard being a Jew in that time to get the right meaning of the sacrifice and to understand that because they've been taught all their lives how important sacrifice is to be compliant with the law. And we're looking at it through a lens after Jesus came. And I could see where that would be confusing to them. You know, the sacrifice, the whole reason that Christ came was to be that final sacrifice, the sacrifice of the the pure lamb that could cover our sins and only only had to die once. You know, their sacrifice, he covers all of our sins, past, present, and future. Um, the sacrifice of the lamb, because as, as perfect as it is, it's still not perfect, couldn't cover their sins for the future. And that would be, that would be so confusing. You know, how can it be, what do you mean you want mercy? I thought that you wanted us to sacrifice this lamb. So I think I can understand how it would be confusing, and and this would be um, eye-opening for them. I'm sure it was when the prophet said it, but when Jesus said it, he came to fulfill that. So that would be, uh, must have been quite, uh, I can see where those apostles would be so confused by that and need to have further discussion and clarification. Well, and think about how brave they would have to be to stop doing the thing that they've always thought kept them safe. Yeah, that would have to be true. Yeah, Yeah. on on similar lines, like everybody's saying, uh, Matthew, uh, being a tax collector at the time, it meant like he was, according to the Jewish people, he probably was the worst of the worst of their time. And so Jesus calling him, that's first, to follow him, so, so we can bring from that time to, to our time, our time now, uh, who are the worst of the worst. That means God still accepts the worst of the worst today. And then he not only called him, he went and had dinner with him, where mm-hmm. all his friends were invited. So that's even one, not one, but a, a bunch of steps more than that. And so, so let's picture that. 
that we are sitting with the worst of the worst and their friends and having a party. That's God. And, and that's the God that we pray and he hears our prayers. So, uh, so, so that's something that's jumping out at me, that it's not just a story, but it's uh, what is the application of this for us? Isn't it interesting that tax collectors were automatically considered the worst of the worst without even knowing them as people? So that just makes me think a lot about, you know, God's opinion on certain things. So in this case, I think because Jewish people were subject to the Roman authority and Romans were taking taxes from them, and, and to be a collaborator with the Romans against the Jewish people, I, I sometimes feel that uh, the way Chosen is portraying Matthew is a little bit uh, nicer way. Uh, yeah. It may not be that these people automatically became worst of the worst. They probably were worst of the worst in their heart. And that's mm-hmm. why they chose that kind of a, of a, of a job. Uh, so in Chosen, Matthew is portrayed as some kind of an intellectual guy. Uh, but, but there must have been something wrong with their, with their heart to go into that kind of a profession at the time. Yeah, And, that, and that's, that's what the God re- is saying. Yeah. No, I was going to say... That's what God is showing, that I'm choosing that person whose heart is not right. He doesn't have to be everything, because that's the purpose of God's intervention, that this person's heart's not right, and I'm going to change it. And, and, and the amazing thing is the response of Matthew, he left everything and followed Jesus. That's where I somehow feel that there is involvement of the Holy Spirit in the response as well, yeah. that yeah. God does something to us to respond because we are not capable of responding to God's uh, love towards us unless God does some kind of a quick surgery on us right away. Go ahead, Tim. Yeah, and you know, um, I, I, uh, I think that, that really hit the nail on the head there, right? And this is what um, I, I'm certain uh, made the Pharisees think, hmm, you know, because, um, you know, there was a time at work where we had uh, Mackenzie come in and, and do you know, we, we, we brought out a work analogy last time. We'll do it again this time. We had McKinsey come in and do, uh, you know, some some uh, efficiency studies. And then we watched them do it and said, you know, ah, we can do that. And then uh, we put a group together in order to optimize a different part of the organization and, you know, use all the tools and all these great new skills that they taught us. And, you know, of course, when the professionals came in and did it, it, it had a much bigger effect than when we tried to do it ourselves, right? Um uh, and you do it yourself or at home, right? Watch a professional come, oh, I can do that. And the, certainly when we do it, it's not as, as good. And, um, you know, I think sometimes we feel that way about about what, how we act. Like you said, it, uh, there's something supernatural. Um, there's something that God's working in us in order to follow him. Sometimes we can feel like, oh, well, I can, I can be that person, right? You know, I don't know. Uh, not that we actually say, well, I don't need to follow God, but I think sometimes we don't rely on him doing that work in our lives. We feel like we can do it ourselves. And, and stories like this and, and what you said about Matthew, I think is a good point, right? Matthew, a, a guy that would allow himself to be a tax collector in those days, isn't going to do that on his own, right? As, as much as he, as he thinks, oh, well, I can be a good person by myself, he wouldn't have left everything and followed Christ in this way if, uh, if it wasn't for God. And, and how much depth does that add to this to this thing you said, go and learn what this means, right? I desire mercy, 
not sacrifice. I mean, those who sacrificed any better than the Pharisees, right? They knew the law. They followed the law to the T, even though they didn't want to. <laughs> I think is the is the backstory on that. Um, and yet they and they, they were ostracizing people like Matthew, right? They were looking down on people that weren't them. And and God is saying that is not what you know. That's not the reason that I called you out as a people. Sure, I wanted you to be separate and holy, but it's so that you could have an impact on my creation. Not so you could ignore them and look down upon them and and you know cast them out with the garbage and uh, and that's kind of what was happening back in Hosea you know where he quotes this from. Right? Um, in fact, he has a, a, another piece which I think is important. It says, "I desire mercy, not sacrifice." And, and the way the prophets spoke a lot of times, you know, they they used a rhetorical form that that uh, stated the same thing again in a different way. Uh, and I think that adds a lot of meaning. But it says, uh, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offering. Now, of course, he required burnt offerings. That was part of uh, the, the law. But what, he, what he's desiring is for us to replicate, like we've been saying, his actions there. Right? And, and, uh, and show people like Matthew the true way. Yeah. The, the God's desire is, for us to be like him. And, and in the time of Hosea, they were bringing the sacrifice, but they were not merciful. merciful. And, 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 and that's where, and, and God's heart is towards, so think of his God is just, and if God is just, then we should be all in hell. Right. But he's also merciful. And that's why we, we are not headed there. So, and, God, and that's how God wants us to, he, 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 he's not saying don't be just. Be just, but be merciful. Don't kill people because of their wrongdoing. Just pray for them and be merciful to them. Just like I've been merciful to you. And uh, this, is, this is a, a, a huge lesson here. And, and I think it applies in our time, big time in our days. And, you know, sometimes getting the intellectual part of it takes us away from mercy. Uh, that's why it's uh, for, 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 the, for a simple person, it's very easy to accept God than for an for a intellectual person. And that's why that the whole example of the rich man who was attached to all his things uh, couldn't, couldn't go with Jesus. And the same thing we can say of an intellectual person, he's attached to his intellect and very difficult for him to come out of it. Uh, whereas a simple person is not attached to all these things and and, and, and maybe that's why Jesus said about the role of a child come into the kingdom as a child because a child's not attached to anything. He's just following whoever leads. So big lesson here about mercy. Yeah. All right. This is what it says in Mark. Uh, and uh, this is recorded in chapter 2. Once again, Jesus went outside beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus said. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but to call sinners. And so uh, Mark actually leaves out that part that quotes Hosea. Um, and then Luke is in chapter 5. After these things, let me go to NIV. 
Uh, after, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Uh, then Levi had a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. You know, I just realized, too, that, uh, that you know, when we think about that part of the story, Jesus said to Matthew, follow me, and Matthew did. And then he has a large banquet, right? He's, he's, a, he's celebrating the fact that he's following Jesus, and, and he invites all of his tax collectors' uh, friends, right? He's not a, and I, I, you know, I can imagine that he was inviting them to, to introduce them to this new, this, this man, right, that he's, he's now following. Um, but well, the think about it. Yeah. Matthew was too. And this yeah. is the person that they've all been waiting for. I'm sure he, even though they were tax, you know, so he had friends who were tax collectors because those are the only people who would be friends. He's like, hey, look, the Savior is here. And yeah. he called me. If he's calling me, he can call you. Can you imagine how excited he must have been? Yeah. Yeah. And how often do we feel that excitement, right? Because we can say the same thing. You know, I heard, uh, I heard, I heard uh, somebody was, uh, it was a preacher that said it this way, you know, oftentimes we think, yeah, of course he saved me, right? Uh, I'm worthy of being saved. And we should be thinking if he, if he would save me, he's going to save anybody, right? I mean, that's, and that's, uh, that might be what Matthew was thinking, right? Well, the Pharisees were saying, we're special, right? There's something about me that God calls me out. I'm a, I'm a Jew. I'm, I'm from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? I'm, here's my pedigree. And uh, and yet Jesus is showing them something different, completely different. You know, if if, uh, if he's willing to call me, then then he's willing to call anybody. That's the good news. Well, think of the right? mm-hmm. yeah. well, think of the power of demonstrating the forgiveness and all of that. Like, look at wasn't it Peter? Isn't of course forgive me for this because I should know it, but isn't Peter the one that later be, later was named Paul? No, 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 that was Saul. Paul. Saul was named Paul. Yep. So which was the one that murdered Christians and that was turned around? Yeah, that was Paul. 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 Yeah, so look at between Paul and then, I mean, every time there's been a significant person um, in the Bible, a lot of times they've really left life to do something great. I mean, it's such a demonstration of the fact that God will forgive you as long as you turn your life in the right direction. And I think that people miss that message sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that what... I think that's remarkable, right? What what's happened in these people's lives? It reminds me of the scripture that says, "To who much is given, much should be expected," right? And and uh, you know, the, um, Paul led a life that um, exceeded everybody's in the persecution of Christians, and then led right. a life that exceeded everybody's in the service of God. And and I think the you know the uh, the great thing about that is God's going to use who He's going to use, right? And and and. Uh, I don't think we have to turn ourselves around before he uses us. We have to be willing to follow him, right? And that's the part that he knows our hearts. And, and uh, he'll know if we'll... And, th- and we started out with the prayer, right, that he, he performed these miracles in the cases where he knew that people would go talk about it, even though when he said, don't talk about it, my time has not yet come. It says over and over again that he did this so that the people would know he was the Messiah, right, or that he was the Son of God. And so, you know, I think... Um, you know that uh, willingness to to do it for his sake is is uh, you know is one of the things that that uh, he looks for to choose those like Paul, right, and like and like Matthew, yeah, and like others. Um, and our weakness is the demonstration of his strength. 
which I think is another part of this lesson, right? Because what the Pharisees were thinking is in my strength, right, is is where God, I mean, that's what, that's the whole, that was in tying it back again to, to Hosea. That's the whole thing. They were, they were thinking that they were, they were somebody because of them, right? I mean, and that's the, and we are, you know, this is the whole, I don't know, it's so hard when we talk about it because you can focus on one side or the other and, and, and either case by itself is wrong, right? Justice without mercy is wrong and mercy without justice is wrong. And so it's got to be the balance between the two. And it's so hard to, um, to verbalize those two things. It's, it's kind of like the, the uh, you know, the fact that Jesus was God and man all at the same time, right? So we can't, can't think about those two things at once because from our perspective, they're opposite. But, you know, when the Pharisees think that there's somebody because of something innate in them, uh, they're, they're missing the point. The reason that they're somebody is because they're made in the image of God, because they're, they're called by him uh, because of the power that he is. I, I love that Mercy Me song, not because of, I'll get the words wrong now, right? not because of who I am, but because of what you did, not because of mm-hmm. what I've done, but because of who you are. Uh, God yeah. gets the full credit. Yeah, yeah. there's so much depth in, in those words, because of who you are. And, uh, yeah, no, uh, I think in, the, in that balance, if we want to err on the side of justice or mercy, I think we are better off erring on the side of mercy. We, we go in favor of mercy and, uh, uh, because that's, that's where God's heart is. He is going after, he leaves the 99 and goes after one that is lost. And, uh, so, so, so his heart is for the broken, the, the, the one who is misfit, the one who feels that he amounts to nothing. He leaves the 99 and goes after them. And, and, and these stories are written there for us so that we be like him, so that we imitate God. Uh, I know sometimes some preachers get uh, <laughs> a lot of flack. They say something like this and people will say, oh, they are saying I am God. Uh, you know, Paul said, I imitate Christ. And then he said, you imitate me as I imitate Christ. So, I mean, God has given us so much to, uh, to read and to, uh, and to imitate him to achieve such a higher form of life than we normally live. Uh, it's, it's just amazing. And he would choose very ordinary people, not something... Somebody who is in royalty, like the Queen of England or their ancestors, uh, their children, offspring, chooses ordinary people and, and, and sometimes the worst of the worst. And he says, look, this is, the, this is here's a seminar and it's called the Bible. Let's read it and I'll show you how to lead a life that is beyond imagination. I think here when when the the Pharisees are trying to process this, I think that they're that where they've gone sideways is that they've allowed pride to take over, and I think that's the message to us is mm-hmm. we have to um, take care not to be so comfortable in our forgiveness that we allow pride to get in our way in our forgiveness. Right. Right. Yeah, and that, uh, Paul's letters, right, where he says, uh, the, you know, the fact that I that that I'm forgiven does that uh, does that mean that I should continue to sin? Because you know that that allows God to show His mercy even more. And he said, No, of course not. And 
paraphrasing, of course, uh, the fact that you would want to shows you haven't been forgiven in the first place. You know, it's like a, a whole new definition to the God Club. Some people yeah. think I'm in, now I, don't, I can quit trying. Right, yeah, that's, the, um, that's where the work begins, right? Uh, I'll talk about that tomorrow. I started a message last and, week on sanctification. Go ahead. Well, not, not just the work, but that's where the accountability. Yeah. And that's that whole thing that I talk that I I think and and I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but that I think is a Christian's responsibility is to be accountable for what you know. Not that you have to get it correct, but you have to constantly strive toward doing it the way that you know it should be done. Meaning a li- living life, I guess, yeah. living a Christian, living a Christian life. There is work. You can't work your way into heaven, but you have responsibilities to do what God asks. And I think that's that's the part that separates that approach from, okay, I've been saved, so now I can do whatever because I can just be saved again right before I die. <laughs> you know, and that's what a lot of people think. I've heard him say it, which yeah. is frightening. Yeah. Yeah, I, would, I think it's an indicator, right? That's a, that's, that's a perfect time uh, for us to learn what it means, that desire, mercy, and that sacrifice, <laughs> right? Because that's that same attitude. Somebody who thinks, you know, oh, I can, first of all, be saved again, right? Because that. What we what we mean most of the time when we say saved is the justified part of that, you know, and and right. um, and uh, that happens once, right? And uh, and if somebody thinks that, uh, like you said, Sherry, um, that oh well, it doesn't matter what I do, I can just be saved again, then you know that's an indicator that they that they were they were doing sacrifice without thinking about the mercy, in my opinion, right? Of course, I'm not judging somebody's heart, but uh, but the the desire to serve him. The desire to carry out that responsibility that you talk about is the thing that happens supernaturally within us because of the Holy Spirit that that's given to us when we put our faith in him. So so the the desire, now we're not going to act on that perfectly and we're making mistakes and there's times that will fall away and we still live in a fallen world, but that desire I think is um is what happens when we put our faith in Christ. So um, I agree 100 percent that there's there's that's why I said that's where the work begins right because once once we're there once we're saved once we're justified then uh, and you know I, I'll use this as an illustration tomorrow so you know I don't want to spoil it if you're going to tune in but I, I think it's a perfect example of what you're saying um, one of my favorite plays my favorite musicals is Les Mis I don't know if anybody's seen it um, when I lived near New York I used to be a Broadway and like to go to Broadway. Les Mis, of course, is the story of the French Revolution, but the uh, main character in that story is a guy named Jean Valjean, and uh, he stole a loaf of bread in order to feed his family and uh, and got arrested and spent a number of years in in prison. And when he got released, of course, he couldn't find work and, you know, kind of like convicts, uh, uh, ex-convicts have trouble today. Uh, I guess it was the same back then, but but he ended up uh, at this man of God's house and and uh, the guy let him stay the night, and he fed him, and, and then he was sent him on his way the next day. And when he did, the, Jean Valjean stole a bunch of silver from the, the, man, the man of God's house. And he got busted again by the cops, and they brought him back to the guy's house and said, hey, the, you know, we, we caught this guy. He's got this silver. I think it's yours. And the man of God said, uh, it is mine, but I, if he didn't steal it, I gave it to him. And he said, uh, in your haste, you forgot when to, in leaving, you forgot to take these also, and he gave them even more. And this causes wow. Jean Valjean, this causes Jean Valjean to, to have a change of heart, right? And and he used that money to become an honest man, right? And that's kind of the story of Les Mis. And I think this is a perfect example of what what salvation is, right? That when that when that man said, "Hey, no, I gave that to him," 
and and here, let me give you this also. He was there at that moment justified, and, and he had nothing to do with it. He was guilty. He was going to jail, except for the fact that this guy said, no, I gave that to him. He was justified. But what he did with that, right, to become an honest man and help people throughout his life, that was the sanctification part. That's the Christian responsibility part, right? That's, and I think that's a great example of what it, it means to be saved. He couldn't have done what he did later in life had it not been for the fact that he was justified. But yet the fact that he's justified meant that he couldn't continue to do what he was doing, right? So I think that's a good analogy anyway. That's a beautiful analogy, and I think it's from the Holy Spirit. Uh, yeah. Yesterday, I was talking in our house, the same lame story, the same thing what you are repeating here. Oh, hey, wow. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and we were talking about, and the man of God was the bishop, <laughs> and, uh, and how he, and I was just giving it word by word what you are saying. And I was confusing it with, with, with another movie, and then my son Joshua said, oh, that's lame is. And uh, wow, this is from the Holy Spirit, what you are saying. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, wow. That's unbelievable that that just happened. Right. Not really. Uh, that's, not when God, God, that's when God drops a little, little, you know, honey in our mouth and say, yeah, keep continuing. I'm here. I'm sitting next to you. Amen. I right. personally okay. think he's here with me, having coffee with me, but y'all can... <laughs> That's right. He can be there and here at the same time. He's omnipresent. <laughs> um, all right, so, uh, so now in Matthew 10, um, or Matthew, yeah, 10, uh, 10 um, we have the complete group uh, now, right? That, that kind of starts it all. So uh, this is in Matthew 10, too. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. But, you know, it's easy to get so mad at Judas when I, you know, we hear his name, but, uh, but you know, if it wasn't for the fact that Judas was picked, uh, you know, the, the, the opportunity for Jesus to pay for the price of, of our sin wouldn't have happened. Of course it would have, right? God's in charge of that, but um, he was picked on purpose, right? It wasn't a mistake that uh, that God picked him. And in um, Mark, this is what it says about the 12, uh, Mark 3, and we're going to start in 13. <coughs> Internet lets the page load. Jesus went up to the mountainside and go ahead. Where are we? Uh, Mark 3? I mean, we Mark finished three. Matthew the public. We did, yeah, and and I realized. Uh, so if you're following along in the um, in the uh, Blue Letter Bible, uh, God was guiding us uh, in that discussion. I think this morning in Matthew the publican, because we had already done that, and then we we've, we've done oh. all of the feast and the miracles, right? And so uh, we last time we talked about the withered hand and the miracles. Remember, he was he was in the in the synagogues, uh, and a guy came in with a withered hand and he healed them, and the Pharisees were criticize them for healing on the Sabbath. And so, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so I just jumped down to the 12 apostles. Good. Good. I found, yeah, I found my place now. Thank you. Yeah. Two, three. Um, or Mark three. Mark three. Yeah. All right. And uh, one more. I had to go back so I could see our, our list. Um, all right. Mark three. Uh, 19, I think. Yep. Uh, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted 
and they came to him. Right? That's an important addition, right? Because like we just talked about with Judas Iscariot, he called everyone, right? Matthew, like we talked about, and, and Judas, he called them because of what he needed for his plan to be fulfilled. Right? It, it tells us in Scripture that we're called according to his purpose. And we can see that so obvious in the people that he called in, the, uh, in that first 12 that he taught. So uh, he called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the 12 he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name um, the Sons of Thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Altheus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. The sons of thunder. And they, uh, you know, the reason that they were called the sons of thunder is because they were so eager to, to correct people that were wrong, right? And they went in uh, with guns blazing, and uh, so they got that wonderful nickname. I wonder how the rest felt about not having a nickname. You know, the question was asked at our Bible study just the other day was the, uh, you know, was, was you know, who who was, uh, was did Jeebus have a favorite, right, apostle? Or was there a, the question wasn't, did Jeebus have a favorite? The question was, did any of the apostles do a better job than the other ones? And uh, that's kind of a good question. It was a really good discussion. Um, what do you guys think? Well, well John, <laughs> John said himself that uh, the apostle who Jesus loved, so he put himself there. I don't yeah. know if others believed in in that or not. Yeah, so did that cause uh, you know, animine fighting, right? Because John felt that way. Yeah, but maybe he know. felt that way. Maybe they all felt that way. Yeah. You know, just because he said the apostle Jesus loved doesn't mean that he didn't love the others. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and you no, know what it makes right. me... And he's the only one who's saying that. Nobody else is saying that. Yeah. But to answer the question about did anybody do a better job, I would say that that's, you know, based on my understanding of spiritual gifts and God's path for each person and the fact that some people, you know, plant seeds, other water, other, you know, everyone has a different part in this whole big picture. I would say that the answer to that is absolutely not. You all did what God intended for you to do, period. That's perfect, Sherry. That's exactly what I think, too. Right? I mean, that's the, uh, and that's the spirit at which we should look at it, right? It's not about who does better, who has more, who, who's smarter, right? Each one of us working together to fulfill the purpose that God called us, right? I mean, we see that so clearly when we look at how he called the 12, especially with Judas in there, right? Each one was called for a different purpose, but all united in the same goal of f- fulfilling God's will. And uh, so I think that was perfect the way you said that. Not yeah, everybody. Go, not everybody say can Jesus. say a. Go ahead, Sherry, please. I was going to say right, not so everybody I was, can. <laughs> I was. Let me go ahead. Uh, uh, I was going to say Jesus gave us the perfect example of a horizontal organization. He yeah. said, if 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 any one of you want to be the leader. He should be the, the lowest person. Now, it doesn't mean Jesus didn't choose a leader. He gave Peter the job of a leader, and he probably chose him for his qualities of being a leader. And just like Sherry was saying, everybody did something. So he had a perfect team. And in that team, he even had a betrayer. <laughs> Who is going to betray the team? So, so, so he ran a perfect horizontal organization, not a hierarchical organization. 
and 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 in in his radical way of thinking uh, was that you serve each other don't uh, ask the other person to serve you but you serve each other and 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 whoever is your leader should be washing everybody's feet i mean this is just amazing stuff the the example that jesus gave and people who follow that will benefit even in today's time and in the times to come because this is a eternal example of how an organization should be run how people should lead their own lives uh, and the benefits going to be to everybody of this kind of framework good cherry i was going to say not everybody can stand with their hands on their hips and and deliver a demanding purposeful <laughs> prayer other people need to go yeah, what she said. And so yeah. I think that everyone has a part. Yeah. And I was thinking that the question really was the wrong question because yeah. we shouldn't – it's human nature. It's part of our sinful nature to compare ourselves to each other, and, and that's something that I think we should try not to do. Yeah, yeah because isn't it about your growth and your outreach? I mean, exactly what we've been talking about. Your outreach to those who need that. That's it. That's really what it's all about. Because if you think about it, if you constantly are striving to do better based on God's values, that takes out ego. It takes out a lot of that type of stuff. If you reach out to other people as we're directed, then you have to love your neighbor. You have to not judge people. You have to do all those things right. So really what it boils down to is if you consistently – try to grow in the right direction and help other folks who need it too. That's all. That's that simple. But it's that complicated. All right. Yeah. You empower people. That's, that's yeah. That's a perfect definition of sanctification. I think we uh, I think we lost someone. Let's see. Yeah, it looks like Dr. B had to drop off. So we are over time, uh, but what a great discussion. Um, I do want to read this just in Luke because it's, uh, it'll finish that section and then we'll go on to the next section. Right. We'll go uh, on the days Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. And when morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them. I think as a result of the prayer all night long, too, huh? um, whom he also designated apostles. There's a difference between a disciple and an apostle. An apostle is a disciple, but not all disciples are apostles. And then we have the list uh, of the 12 again. So um, so let's. Uh, does somebody want to close us with a prayer? I, I, I can pray. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, mighty God, thank you, Lord, for bringing us again to gather around your word and enjoy this fellowship and enjoy the word and also hear from you. And uh, many times we sense your spirit, the Holy Spirit is sitting right alongside us and uh, it brings to our minds things, Lord, that we, we cannot come up on our own. So we, we give you all the glory and praise for that. We pray, Lord, for uh, uh, Tim's church, as we heard that uh, uh, some movie folks came there, and we pray that uh, they will like that church to do their uh, work there and that your name may be glorified from that, Lord. We pray for all of us, Lord, as we go about our business, that you stay involved in our lives. We know, Lord, that you keep us in the palm of your hand, and that's where we want to be, right in front of you, so that you keep talking to us and keep guiding us and keep telling us uh, 
how we should take our next step. And uh, we pray for our extended families, Lord, all the needs that they have, and all the people that we come in contact with. We pray that you bless them and keep them. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This has been a production of the Fish Meeting Bible Study Group. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next week as we continue our study of God's Word. Until then, live what you learn.